No need to stress. I give you episode four of Four Hour Edification. Welcome to the first installment of the Right to Bear Arms segment of Four Hour Edification. Right, W-R-I-T-E, to bear arms, A-L-M-S. Halima talked about it in the very first installment of Four Hour Edification. And did you know that Halima had her own radio show? Yeah, she did. It was the Right to Bear Arms radio show. She did this show on a station out of Dallas called Radio Azad when we were living in Dallas. And one of her guests was a good friend of ours named Leslie Brown. Leslie is a mental health counselor. She's pursuing her PhD in marriage and family therapy, and she's also a board member of the Purposeful Philanthropy Foundation, which was founded by Halima. I'm also on the board of that foundation. And you can connect with Halima on social media at HLeak on Twitter and Instagram. And also don't forget, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Podbean. And you can learn more about the Purposeful Philanthropy Foundation at PurposefulPhilanthropy.org. But here was a very cool conversation that she did with Leslie about the mental health benefits of giving. So yes, let's throw this thing back. Let's go back. Look back at it. Do whatever you got to do. But enjoy the Right to Bear Arms segment of For Our Edification. The views and opinions expressed on For Our Edification do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the hosts, guests, or any entities with which we are affiliated. For about 10 years, Leslie has been uh, working to really um, expand her, her mental health and, and wellness knowledge base and she's been providing um, stress reduction workshops for for various populations including children um, veterans uh, social service agencies uh, government and fundraising grant professionals for the last 10 years so Leslie has this unique perspective um, on giving and in, in talking to her uh, earlier this week about the, the impact of giving and what we get out of it, uh, you know, how we benefit by giving and by, by being uh, charitable and, and fundamentally kind and, and, and relating to one another. Uh, the, the topic of the impact on our mental health came up. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm delighted to have Leslie here with me to join in that conversation. So thank you again, Leslie. Thank you very much. I appreciate this opportunity to share and, and to uh, receive. <laughs> now, um, I want to give our listeners a, a little bit of background, um, particularly as it relates to, to stress and, and the topic of, of mental health and mental wellness. Um, stress is something um, that touches us all. Um, you know, our, our bodies have a, a natural reaction to, to um external forces and issues and, and Leslie of course you'll get into this in our conversation but stress is something that we all face and I, I went to um, webmd.com and they, they talked a little bit about the impact of stress on our lives and some of the statistics that they gave were staggering I was like wow okay I didn't know that my mental health um influenced all these areas of my life. Some of the things that they said were that 75% to 90% of all doctor's office visits are for stress-related ailments and complaints. 
um, stress can play a part in problems such as headaches, high blood pressure, heart problems, diabetes, skin condition, um, asthma, arthritis, depression, and anxiety. And um, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, has declared stress a hazard of the workplace. Um, Stress costs uh, American industry more than $300 billion annually. So we see that stress has a huge impact. Our our mental health has a tremendous impact. And and, in talking to Leslie, I found uh, through our conversation that giving can um, have some positive uh, results as it relates to how we deal with stress. So, um, Leslie, I want to start by uh, talking a little bit about the work that you've done in teaching people about stress reduction, uh, mental health and wellness, counseling. Give us a little bit of insight into the work that you've done and what you've experienced. Sure, no problem. Um, I, I do think I, like you said, have a unique perspective, and I guess it kind of happened where, you know, you're, you have a certain route, you think you're going in one direction, but then life happens, you learn some new things, and then you figure out you want to go in a, in, a, in a different direction. Mm-hmm. So my journey into uh, learning about stress reduction was actually my own personal journey, and that started out because I was working in social services mm-hmm. and uh, human services and working in, uh, with nonprofit organizations where oftentimes you, you wear many different hats mm-hmm. um, and you're called to do a lot of things you may not normally be able be called to do if you were in working for a corporate uh, uh, agency or you're working for the, the, the corporate sector or working for the government sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and in working with the community, um, I gave a lot of myself and became very, very, very stressed out um, because I, you know, at that time really didn't understand how one has to have boundaries mm-hmm. and balance in their life. So upon you know, experiencing a lot of stress and experiencing having different uh, different things go on in my body that mm-hmm. were uh, adverse, of course, um, and really affected my health, I had to um, do some investigation into how can I help myself to mm-hmm. to get better? How can I help myself to, to balance my life out? Right. So in doing that, um, I learned a lot about um, a lot of Eastern techniques, a lot of meditation, Eastern um, African um, techniques, old things that are now new again, meditation, mindfulness, right. um, of course, the age-old eating, eating well, mm-hmm. um, drinking water, making sure you have connection with other people, and just, you mm-hmm. know, really balancing out your work, your personal, your financial, all the different aspects of your life. Um, so I, I found that, like I said, I was working in direct services, working in uh, moving into fundraising, and then um, was trying to figure out my next steps and, and had this interest in wellness and um, got very interested in counseling. Hmm. So I went to school and studied for my master's degree in uh, family therapy and um 
had to do my practicum, and I started working with a veterans agency, an agency that I actually met in my in my fundraising work. Yeah. So in working with them, I got connected with a lot of veterans who were mainly from Vietnam era, but also Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, all of those different conflicts. But most of my work was with the Vietnam veterans, um, who many of whom had post-traumatic stress disorder, mm-hmm. and, um, and some had a traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they say there's no uh, cure, per se, for those things. Um, and so, you know, a lot of what you're doing is helping, helping them to um, manage, mm-hmm. manage, their, manage the symptoms that they have that are related to uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injury and other assorted uh, physical mental issues that they that they may have uh, been you know the result of being in combat. Now, one of the things that you, that you just mentioned kind of jumped out to me was was how we relate to one another, and mm-hmm. and the impact that um, that has on our stress levels. Can you can you talk about uh, the relationship dynamic and and how that plays into it? Well, and how we relate to one another, you know, um, I've, I've read, I was looking at something recently that talked about um, that kindness and generosity were the two uh, biggest predictors in satisfaction, relationship satisfaction. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and they, they, they spent most of the time uh, talking from the perspective of a couple, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, um, is part of the foundation of the family. Right. So they talked about them, but they, they, uh, they, the, the discussion was uh, around how being kind, of course, with uh, you have to have a level of emotional stability, is a very important predictor of how satisfied and how stable your relationship is going to be. Because if you can be kind to a person, it makes them feel cared for, it makes them feel validated. They feel heard. They feel understood. And those are all very important things that all of us want to feel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So kindness and generosity, um, if I'm hearing you correctly, has an impact on our relationships. If we can show generosity, if we can show sympathy and, and even empathize with others in our relationships, then that that contributes to healthier relationships. Absolutely, absolutely contributes to uh, to healthy relationships. When you're being kind, it doesn't mean that you don't express anger mm-hmm. towards a person, be it your your partner, your mother, your father, your child. But it it, it informs how we choose to express our anger. You can throw spears at a person, or you can explain why you're hurt and angry, and that is considered to be a kinder. Right. Method, a kinder path. Mm-hmm. So, so how does giving, um, you know, as we're thinking about uh, philanthropy, volunteerism, how does giving work with that? Does would you say that giving might cultivate kindness? Might be able a vehicle to teach kindness and compassion? Um, well, of course, you know, um, I, I kind of want to start with, I guess. Um, you know, how, how, how does it, how, how does giving 
affect us? Mm-hmm. Okay. What, okay. What kind of what what does it what kind of effect does it have? Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll just go into the neuroscience, basic neuroscience, our, our brain. Many experiences in our lives that we have that we enjoy, whether they are a vice or some sort of social practice like exercise, meditation, those type of things can activate the pleasure circuit in your brain. Hmm. So whether it's uh, learning, eating something that may be fattening but very good, (laughs) gambling, praying, Mm -hmm. dancing, um, playing on the Internet, all of these things, depending on the person, can all emit a neural signal, a signal that your brain has um, on a small group of interconnected area that's called the medial forebrain pleasure circuit. Mm -hmm. And that's where your neurotransmitter dopamine plays a crucial role. Now, Mm -hmm. a a neurotransmitter is a chemical that that transmits signals from one nerve cell to another. Mm -hmm. And dopamine is one of the very important uh, uh, neurotransmitters that controls your brain's reward and pleasure center. Okay. It's, uh, it's very, very important. It's, it's an area that we love. Drinking coffee can activate more dopamine. <laughs> right. So, you know, it, it's, it, it's definitely a part of that. And outside of your nervous system, dopamine functions in a lot of different ways. Um, it inhibits uh, uh, norepinephrine uh, release which is the hormone and neurotransmitter release. It, uh, it works with your kidneys, your pancreas, in, uh, reducing insulin production, and your oh. digestive system. It's, it's all throughout your body. So in terms of how it plays a part with uh, giving, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of research out there that shows that people enjoy giving mm-hmm. for some for a variety of reasons. It can be social status. It can be they just, uh, you know, want this just pure altruism, just purely they just want to help help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, the bottom line of a lot of that research is that um, charitable giving produces a strong activation of that pleasure center. Oh, Okay. Very strong, and it's sh- uh, you know a lot of the research shows that that people coming from a place of just wanting to give and to experience the glow and experience the dopamine mm-hmm. and the, the you know the pleasure center is a motivator for mm-hmm. charitable giving. Wow. Okay. So you know I've talked to people who say that. You know, I give because I get so much out of it. And and sometimes we, we hear people talk about a giver's glow or a helper's high that they get. Mm-hmm. And so there, from what you're saying, there's actually something that's happening in our brains that gives us that. There's something happening in your brain <laughs> that gives us that. There's something that is actually science. Right. You know, it's not just happenstance, it's science. Giving makes us happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of research that supports that. Um, I know there was one in 2008 that uh, Harvard Business School actually actually did, and it found that giving money to someone else lifted those who, the control group who participated, lifted their happiness more than spending it on themselves. 
Wow. Um, and that's just one example. There's there's a lot of research that supports um, the happiness factor okay. for giving. Oh, okay. So so retail therapy versus the happiness factor um it it sounds like you know if you if you have if you're if you're trying to um increase your happiness, increase your joy, uh giving to someone else will will help do that and it'll there's a a neurological uh science behind that and it has these positive it, it produces positive uh just positive yeah. outcomes in Absolutely. in your brain if you want to hit that helper's high give back <laughs> to somebody it will automatically according to science it'll give back but i mean i've experienced that i know you've talked about having experienced that I've, I've, you know, I've had many encounters with people who say, like you said, you know, I get so much out of it. And, mm-hmm. and some of that is they get that good feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that, you know, these these neurons and, and these and, and forgive me, I, the, the science part of it, the terminology is not a strength of mine. But basically, from from what I'm hearing from you is that uh, not only are these um these, I guess, uh, chemicals or, or this, this, these neurons created in your brain when you do something good and, and you, they create happiness and, and that, that feeling of happiness, but it has an effect on your, the rest of your body. You mentioned your kidneys. Um, you rich, you mentioned, um, the pancreas. So, all of those things are connected. So they're, they're positive outcomes, not only mentally, but throughout the rest of your body. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, uh, giving uh, uh, brings out the dopamine neurotransmitter and also, I think also it's serotonin, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sorry, oxy, oxytoxin, which is this, the uh, the neurotransmitter that uh, makes you feel connected to someone. Hmm. And these are all for your emotional well-being. Um so definitely giving is good for you biologically. It also reduces our stress. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're thankful, when we're giving, it, it redirects our attention from whatever difficulties we may be having in our life. Okay. Um, it's, it's almost like you're creating a stockpile of good ex- uh, or positive experiences for when you may have times that are challenging. Hmm. So... so Mm-hmm. Oh, so and I'm sorry to interrupt. This is just kind of promoting or helping me to um, to understand a little bit more. But you mentioned that giving um, you're kind of creating the stockpile and it redirects some of some of the the thoughts or or I guess bad feelings that you may have. Have you seen any research on um, giving as a, a mental health treatment or? Um, some of the the outcomes in, in people who are experiencing challenges like maybe depression or anxiety. Um, I cannot say that I've seen uh, research for that, but mm-hmm. what I will say is, in most models of therapy, um, as part of a person's uh, we we'll call it treatment planning, mm-hmm. part of their prescription, um, oftentimes a counselor or a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychologist may recommend that they volunteer their time um, or 
you know, give to an organization in some form or fashion as part of their treatment plan. Hmm. Because it is believed that, you know, um, if they're not so focused within on uh, the things that they are not happy about, but they focus on something else, then that kind of shifts um, shifts their perspective. Hmm. And it makes make sense, you know. It does. It, it really does. Um, I've actually, I've spoken to people um, who have experienced trauma um, and, and in the work that, that I do with, with Texas Muslim Women's Foundation, I've spoken to domestic violence survivors in particular, and they talk about how giving back helps them to kind of main, maintain their sense of, of strength, their sense of um, autonomy. It, it helps them to uh, kind of maintain the the ability to to stay away from the cycle of violence or to it helps them to kind of maintain that well-being that they've achieved by going through counseling by going through um by getting support and help and getting out of abusive relationships but i do hear from a lot of people uh that you know i'm happy to help you guys i'm happy to donate because i'm so thankful and also, this helps me to continue on my path of well-being. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, as I was saying, oh, you know, we talked about the biological ways that it is actually working on your on your body and your system. Um, of course, it, it, it can bring your stress level down um, mm-hmm. because, again, you are activating something within your biology. Mm-hmm. Um, that safeguards against, you know, those those parts of your system that may fight, you know, may 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 want stress in your body. Mm. Um, but it's the, you know, giving back definitely reduces stress level. There are a lot of studies that show that as well, um, and it also can protect us from negative emotions when we focus on what we don't have or how our decisions could have turned out better if we have regret. We leave a lot of room for resentment, for envy um, to build. And giving back and having gratitude can help keep a lot of those feelings at bay. During the break, we were just briefly chatting about um, some of the things that we're seeing in in our communities around um the desire for people to have more, I guess, meaning in in the work that they do. Uh, we we're seeing a lot of people talk about things like social entrepreneurship and and even uh, what I like to call compassion education. What I've what I've heard called compassion education for young people. You know, kids are, are when they're uh, looking at college programs, they they want uh, programs that talk about social entrepreneurship, um, social responsibility, servant leadership, all of those different things. And I I think that um, though we had things like or we have had things in our community like the Peace Corps and Public Allies and those kinds of programs that promote that, uh, our our young people are are asking for that a little bit more aggressively, I believe. Um, And 
it, it may be because of social media or because of just technology. Our world has gotten smaller and we see it more. But I hear this, this, um, this strong feeling for I want to be able to do something. I want to help someone. So, Leslie, can you give us some insight as to why that may be? Um, well, if I'm, if I'm speaking from a mental health perspective, we also talk a lot about social justice in mental health. Um, many of the um, philosophies in mental health, marriage and family therapy, psychology, many, many of these groups um, have an, an area of focus within which would be social justice, mm. which would be, of course, the, you know, our responsibility to giving back. So I, I guess I, you know, would start a little bit with, um, it didn't start with Obama, but I know that his, him coming into, um, into office and his background in social justice, social activism, really started a lot of young people um, all over the world becoming more interested in, um, working more grassroots, mm-hmm. and I think today we have we have a lot of challenges. And mm-hmm. like you said, because of modern technology, we can see things so much faster, mm-hmm. so much quicker. Uh, you know, people are literally trans can transmit news within. You know, you can see something, and you can turn your cell phone on and record it, and then. Mm-hmm blast it, uh, you know, virally blast it all over the, all over the world. Mm-hmm. So there is this desire um, to, because maybe we're seeing more, because also I think, you know, there is so much change and challenge in, in the economy, and people are looking for ways to make meaning of their life, make meaning of life, period. Um, mm-hmm. And I think... Um, I think in terms of our, our modern technology, while it's wonderful and it's awesome, we can, you know, use Twitter, we've got Facebook, we've got LinkedIn, we've got Instagram, we've got mm-hmm. Kick. There's all these different ways to connect with others, but sometimes we're so far from each other. You know, mm. I go out to eat sometimes and I see people they're on their phone. They're they're All on right. their phone. Yeah, yeah, they're not talking to each other. Mm-hmm. I've seen families, whole families, and all of them have a cell phone. They're all playing on their cell phone. <laughs> they're not talking to each other until the yeah. food comes. Right. You know exactly. So, <laughs> so that has definitely changed the way that I, I think it's affecting our interpersonal skills, mm. and uh, because we're not dealing with one another, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, it affects our sleep, modern technology, There's, mm. uh, which, again, I go back to neuroscience or science. The artificial light from our TV, from all of our devices, our TVs, our computers, our cell phones, are affecting melatonin production mm-hmm. and throwing off our circadian rhythms, our sleep rhythms, mm-hmm. which prevents deep res- restorative sleep that we need. Right. Yeah. So when you don't, when you're not able to sleep, your body all automatically goes into a place of depression. Mm. And oftentimes when we get depressed, you withdraw. 
so again you know we're not having that connection that that connection with with human life like we used to Mm -hmm. so giving it it increases that connection that we're missing a lot of times um it sounds like absolutely because you can go out there and give you can volunteer you be amongst a group of people you can do things within your workplace um, giving allows a personal connection to occur. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and also, you know, I, this this is a little a little off tangent, off topic, but you know, being conscious and being aware of how much you um, you are disconnected. You know, many times I know that. Uh, we can sit down at the computer and I, I hear people say it all the time, you know, five hours have gone by and I was on Facebook for five hours. Didn't realize I was using that time up. Um, and, you know, time slips away very quickly. So giving, I think in many ways, at least when the experience that I have when I give, I become a lot more just aware i become acutely yeah yes aware and present Mm -hmm. because you're doing it in that moment it's not something that you're viewing uh via a youtube video Mm -hmm. it's not a game you're playing you're right there in front of the person or you may be writing a check Mm -hmm. but you're present in that moment and it means something to you to give that time to give that energy to have that exchange with a person. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and being aware, um, just, and I can only speak about my, my, what I've felt personally and what I've seen other people or what they've told me is that, you know, they were inspired to do more. It, it kind of breathes this creativity along with awareness and it, it generates some clarity, I believe as well, because, you know, sometimes people say, well, I feel like I've been walking around in this mental fog. Um, and when I, when I volunteered somewhere or when I had this experience of helping someone less fortunate, I saw very clearly what was going on in my community and I felt like I needed to do something about it. So it prompts people um, into action. It, prompt, it it stimulates your, your creativity. And, and I'm, I'm not sure about the science to back all of this up, but um, those are some of the, the, the mental health outcomes that I see from giving just in, in the context of all that we have going on in our society and in how technology and just the fast pace of our world has kind of pulled us out of out of consciousness and awareness. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I'm not sure about the science behind the creativity act aspect, but certainly the better we feel, the more the, the more we feel like creating life, creating period. Mm-hmm. Um, and that definitely uh, creates the desire to be around people. Um, to help others, you know, it, it is. It, 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 it makes you very present and very aware. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's important to connect with other people. I, 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 think, I think everyone should do, um, have social media or device, what do they call it? Free, not freezes, but they taking a fast, a yeah. break. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I always try to take some time for my day where I don't carry my phone. Mm-hmm with me and I go out somewhere in nature, 
you know nature mm-hmm. may not be the the woods uh, the forest but somewhere where there's a tree where i can breathe some air look out and just you know be in a space where i can refocus and my attention is not taken with oh i've got to answer this text message mm-hmm. oh, i have to do that you're distracted when you do that now i found um in Actually, I, I spoke to one of the board members from the Texas Muslim Women's Foundation back in, I think it was February, and she did a show with me um, on volunteerism. And we talked about um, developmental assets for adolescents, the, the Search Institute, and you can um, find this at www.search-institute.org. Um and they talk about these 40 developmental assets for adolescents. And they, they talk about things such as um, external assets. And what they're focusing on are developmental um, assets for young people. So ages 12 to 18, as young people develop, um, there are things like support, empowerment, Boundaries and expectations, um, constructive use of time. Those are external assets. And then uh, they talk about internal assets of, uh, such as commitment to learning, positive values, social competencies, positive I- and, and positive identity. Mm-hmm. And, and under those, I guess, subcategories, they have these 40 different components, um, such as uh, when, when they start talking about positive values, things like caring, mm-hmm. equality, and social justice. Um, when they talk about some of the external assets, when they are discussing things like empowerment, they talk about community values, um, service to others, safety. Well, as a part of that conversation, uh, Volunteerism came up as a recurring theme in in how young people develop emotionally and how young people kind of develop in a way that um, where they uh, are emotionally well, where they have a a good perspective on life. Um, So can you can you talk a little bit about that young people in their development and and the importance of of getting involved in in volunteerism um can you speak to that sure um i think we're living in a time where um or at least you know definitely here in the united states where you know we have a lot of um parenting of a youth that are done by single parents, parenting of youth that may be done by very young parents. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, n- not blaming single parents, but, you know, sometimes our young people are not getting everything that they need. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they don't understand a lot of times they don't have someone there to do a lot of the guidance. Mm. that they need and there's a lot of pressure on the school system to do a lot of guiding Mm -hmm. Um, and then you also have the aspect of grandparents who are raising grandchildren Mm -hmm. and we know grandparents they're older Mm -hmm. um, they're wise hopefully um, but they may not have the 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 same energy 
as, right. you know, they would if they were, you know, younger mm-hmm. rearing them. And they've already reared children. Mm-hmm. So I think the thing about volunteering and, and as a skill development, um, because there was once upon a time that wasn't a skill development. It just, that was just how we were. Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's just what we did. That's just what we did. <laughs> it's a part of our, our understanding as a community, as a society, you know, you just help one another. But that's, that's not the case anymore. This is actually a, a, a academic or whatever concept now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I believe, it's my opinion, that, you know, a lot of that is because of, um, because of the many types of families that we have, which are all beautiful, wonderful in their own ways, but I don't think a lot of young people are getting everything that they need, all of the guidance that they need to make good choices and and. Under, and I don't think they understand. Um, I don't think they understand what it's like sometimes. Um, not that you know every young person has everything that they mm-hmm, need, mm-hmm. but many of them don't understand what it's like not to have a pair of shoes or right. to have this. Yeah. Because in this country, there's many, you know, we have a lot of social support mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being impoverished here, mm-hmm. I think is different than maybe it being looks impoverished very different. in other other on other continents yeah well and even if you go from city to city city um you know poverty looks very different in in different places um and uh talking about young people uh being able to kind of develop this sense of gratitude and 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 being aware of what they have Mm -hmm. i've i've talk to young people who volunteer and they say, well, I didn't know other people live like that. Um, Or I had the pleasure and I I cannot recall where this happened, but there was a family who they, they would do a volunteer activity as a family. Every, uh, you know, around the holidays, maybe Thanksgiving, they would go out and serve at the soup kitchen or something like that. And they would always talk about, you know, my kids get so much out of this because they become so much more grateful that we have a roof over our head. Just, just Absolutely. that we're we're Absolutely. a basic family unit. Yeah. And I and I got off. I got a beard into it. So, so thank you for bringing me back. <laughs> but yes, I, I I I that's my opinion. And I think that what volunteering does is it gives them learning and skills development mm-hmm. to, to uh, help them to act as a catalyst to re-engage with learning, mm-hmm. to understand, to gain a perspective about different parts of the world or their community mm-hmm. or their state. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a different type of activity. It's, you know, it's service learning. Yes. It's preparation for future employment, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Absolutely. And it, it's a, it has a lot of different benefits. Yeah, and it, it gives them confidence, too. I, you know, I've, I've heard young people say that, um, you know, when I'm tutoring someone or um, even mentoring someone younger than, than myself, it gives me a sense of comp- confidence. And it makes me aware that I'm good at something. So 
it it builds this sense of confidence within them that, you know, many times we're told that we're not good enough or we're told that um, we don't do enough. And when you volunteer, when you give to somebody, you see that you have something to give. So that immediately discredits what you're the negativity that you may be hearing about yourself. Right. Absolutely. It does yeah. give you an opportunity to to counteract those uh, negative experiences and voices that we may uh, we may get. Um, it's been a delight and pleasure to, to talk to you about this. And um, all that you've shared is, is really uh, been very get, giving me some perspective on the importance of giving not only for. Um, external benefits to our community and our society because you know usually when I talk to people about giving it's you know giving is activism giving is 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 advocacy but giving also it helps us as individuals it helps us to be healthy it helps to give us a, a positive perspective and I think that we many times um, underestimate the value of of some light and joy and positivity in our lives you know, if I learned anything from this interview, I learned that um, mental health doesn't have to be a one-way street. Uh, it would seem that the giver experiencing better mental health puts a wrap on the deal, right? But the gifts, as I was listening to this, it, 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 it really hit me that the gift means nothing if the receiver doesn't get anything out of the gift outside of just receiving a gift or if the receiver feels that they're just a prop for the giver's ego or guilt. It reminds me of a pet peeve that I have. As you know, I'm a member of an African-American fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha, and you know, my fellow black Greeks, I love us. But one of my pet peeves is when we do a community service project and we excitedly pose for the group picture that we will excitedly put on social media and let everybody know we did service today. Now listen, we all mean well. We are serious about our service. But when you are excited about the photo op and you are excited to put it off on social media and that seems to be the story, the central story of that image, then the service is more about the fraternity of the sorority chapter than the identity and value of the people that they are serving. Surely, we do receive a mental health boost whenever we give, whenever we conduct our service. But the problem is, is that when we are so worried about the photo op, the mental health of the receiver, the, 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 the receiver's story, they become afterthoughts. So. Make the neuroscience of giving a mutually beneficial process. And mental health, when it comes to giving, can be maximized when we figure out how both the giver and a receiver experience that sense of fulfillment. Now, got to tell you about episode five. Very cool episode because we are going to talk about Halima's doctoral journey and what it was like for her and how that journey affected her identity and value rich, rich conversation, especially if you're someone considering a doctoral degree. 
I certainly hope you've enjoyed the Right to Bear Arms segment and you enjoy the throwback interview from Halima's old Right to Bear Arms radio show. So when you get an opportunity, please rate this episode, give us some feedback and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with friends. And remember, you can check us out on iTunes, Google Play or Podbean. And if you want to learn more about the podcast, go to eddiefrancis.com, eddiefrancis.com. Click podcast and you learn more about for our edification. Thank you very much for downloading.